Welcome to a special edition of John and Todd. On this podcast video, we are going to relate our Nebraska-Oklahoma memories, and there's a fair amount of them, because this is by old people, for old people. Not really, though. It's probably not as many memories as we'd like to have because we're old and memories have faded. So we just have to make some shit up. What do you think, Todd? Well, yeah, my memory's shot. So, you know, I, I don't know if anything that I spew out of my mouth will be factual. So, um, you know, you might want to have your fact checker ready. I think we'll come close, though, John. Okay. What is your first memory of Nebraska, Oklahoma? Well, you know, I think the first memory that most Nebraska fans have is the game of the century. Uh, you know, this is the 50th anniversary of that. I was a little tyke. Um, and I really wasn't a Nebraska fan, but I do remember um, spending, you know, that afternoon watching that game on television. And, uh, you know, back in that era, there was, you know, one or two games on over the course of, of a Saturday afternoon because you only had three channels. But that was a big deal. That was an incredible game. And what, you know, I don't remember many details at all from the game. You know, I've seen video from it. You look at pictures, you read about it and that type of thing. But one of the things I do remember absolutely was I was uh, living out. I was living in Council Bluffs at the time. And at that point in time, we took three daily newspapers. We took the Des Moines Register. We took the Council Bluffs Nonpareil. We took the Omaha World Herald. And that Sunday, that Omaha World Herald seemed like it was about two inches thick. And I just remember that. There were so many pictures. There was just so much incredible coverage from that football game. And then there was on Monday and Tuesday, too. I mean, you know, there's this, just this incredible celebration of this victory, um, you know, that that followed up. And so um, that's, that's one of my fondest memories. And, of course, um, you know, in that game, legends were made. You know, Bob Devaney, he became a legend. Um, you know, Jeff Kinney, he became a legend. Uh, it's, it's, it was the pivotal game and, and one that's the, the benchmark for the Nebraska football, uh, legacy. I used to love looking at the Omaha paper the next morning and seeing the layout of the photos and they had out of a series of yeah. photos that showed how the play developed. Now, I don't remember what photographer I was talking to that told me, but they had two guys that would stand on top of Memorial stadium and, you know, you could build like a canister. It's not a normal film roll, but it'd have like, I don't know, 250 foot of film in a canister that you just sit up there and shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot. And uh, one has to wonder what happened to all those photos as a photo photographer, dude, you know, that would be some amazing stuff if anybody ever saved them, but nobody ever thought about history then. So God knows where they are. I'd like to know where they are. If anybody knows where that kind of stuff is, uh, I'd be certainly willing to steal it from anyone. I'll bet but, they're in uh, the archives because I know, you know, a few years ago, they dug some up from uh, the Des Moines Register when Oklahoma State played Drake and the Oklahoma State player punched the African-American player from Drake right in the jaw. And it was that same that same sequence. I love those sequence of photos. I mean, I miss seeing those in the paper, you know, especially you know, when Nebraska was flying high and they had some of those and you could watch that whole play develop. Oh, those, yeah. were, those were great. I, I really missed it. Pointed that. out all the blocking and all this yeah. stuff down the 
field. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. I guess my earliest memory is uh, I don't really remember the game of the century because I've seen it through, you know, videos and the same video they show every time, which is Johnny, the Jet Rogers, tore them loose from their shoes. Lyle Brimser. Lyle the, Brimser what I, awesome. what yeah. I do remember is like uh, my family gathering every Thanksgiving in the 70s and watching from 1972 until 1978 and us losing to the evil cheating bastards from Oklahoma because they who only won because they had a deal with Satan. So <laughs> that was my impression of it. Every year it was like, what the hell? I mean, it doesn't matter if we were ahead behind or whatever, they'd come back and win. And then in 1978, our beloved Tom Osborne finally gets his first win over Oklahoma and he gets rewarded. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that 1978 game has, there's so many levels and so many dimensions to it. Yeah. You know, Tom Osborne finally beats Barry Switzer, finally gets that win against Oklahoma. And then they have to play him in the orange bowl and, you know, okay. So full disclosure here. I really didn't become a Nebraska football fan until I started school there in uh, the fall of 1981. I was a diehard Iowa Stater. I've, I've shared that before. And in fact, I really didn't care for, for Nebraska at all. And, you know, for, for you know, a, a, I won't say I was a Nebraska hater, but for a non-Nebraska fan, you know, it was like, oh, you flipping got to be kidding me. They finally beat Oklahoma. And then they have to turn around and play him again uh, in Miami in the Orange Bowl on New Year's Day. That 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 had to suck, and it did. I mean, because uh, you know Nebraska, what they won uh, seventeen to fourteen, and then uh, they got beat thirty-one twenty-four in the rematch. Uh, in the do, you do you remember the look on Tom Osborne's face? Yeah, I do. It, it was, uh, <laughs> you know, Tom complete Osborne shock. Yeah, he's one of the most stoic people that you're going to find, and and you know he has a great poker face. But boy, he let it, he let his hand be known with that. The other, and thing, then they ask him, they tell him, if I remember right, they did this on national TV, didn't they, or something? I don't know how he saw it. Yeah, but the look is shock, and then they started asking him, like, "What do you think of that, Tom?" And you know, you want to go? I think this is a big giant fucking screw job. That's what I would. <laughs> just what the hell, you well, know? That that 1978 game was was one that I'll never forget either. And and you know, not that I remember the game blow by blow, but what I do remember is one play from that game. And uh, you know, again, I was watching this one on television as well with my family, and there was a kickoff uh, that where Nebraska kicked off to Oklahoma, and Oklahoma had uh, this player named Kelly Phelps, who was a quarterback that also was a, a kickoff returner. And it was a great kick because it was left-handed, the left-footed kicker from Nebraska, and he kind of stuck the ball along the sideline. And Kelly Phelps comes, fields the ball somewhere around 10, 11-yard line, you know, just a couple of feet from the sideline. So he kind of tiptoes on the sideline, and then he kind of cuts the ball back into the middle to find the wedge, you know, for his return. And it seems like out of nowhere, John Rood was like a missile. And he absolutely Blew Kelly Phelps up. I mean, he destroyed him. It was the it was the most amazing, uh, destructive hit in a football game I've ever seen in my life. And you know, there's how 
how the media is sometimes and writers, you know, they, you know, greatest this, greatest that. That's been called the greatest hit in college football by different people at different times. But the crazy thing is, is that John Rude came down, absolutely destroyed him. I've just watched the video before we started recording this. It would not, it would not be called targeting today because his head went across his body. His head was nowhere close to Kelly Phelps's body. Um, and he just absolutely destroyed him with his shoulder, well, his entire body. So maybe, you know, because of how powerful <laughs> it was, they call him for targeting in this They call him for hitting too they, hard. They probably right. Yeah, the kidney yeah. bell, hitting him too hard. So, he, but, you know, the ball goes flying. Kelly Phelps is on the field, laying flat on the field. Nebraska recovers the ball. And then the crazy thing was, Back in 1978, replay was the last thing that anybody had thought about putting in, right. you know, to as part of a rule of the game. They ended up giving the ball back to Oklahoma, claiming that he was on the ground before he fumbled. No, he fumbled before he went unconscious. I mean, that ball was flying out, and Kelly Phelps is still flying through the air. But what an amazing that that, that is that is the play uh, Oklahoma, Nebraska, that I'll, I'll always remember from that 78 game. So I got to, I got to UNL in 1980. You got their win. I got their fall of 81. I don't remember the 80 or 81 games at all. I do vehemently remember 1982. And I've told this story many times. What do you remember about the 1982 game, Todd? Well, <laughs> in 1982, our, our, our crew, our gang, our squad, whatever you want to call it, all of us that were buddies in college, we had great seats that year. We were, we were on the east side of the stadium, down, down fairly low. Um, I remember we got there very, very early for that game. And uh, we had great seats. Um, about all of us snuck booze in. I remember that because you used to be able to buy, you know, Coke and a plastic cup and then you'd swig a little and the boda bags. Yep. Yep. And get your, uh, a lot of it was uh, Bacardi and 151 and that kind of stuff <laughs> is what people took in. But you know what, John, I think maybe we ought to take a step back before I get to the game. What I also remember, and it started in that 1982 game. Um, John and I, uh, along with some of our crew from college, uh, we were devotees of the sidetrack bar. Oh, yeah. And at that time, the sidetrack was down in the hay market on the corner. I think Laszlo's is there now. Um, right. Yes. But it occupied the first, the, the, the street level uh, down there in the hay market across from the depot. And, and we, we were regulars, and we were there all the time. And Joyce Duran, who owned the place and played the piano, every Thursday night she'd be in there with the Sweet Potato Band, and they'd be in there on Friday nights. And I don't know if the Sweet Potato Band was there every Thursday night, but if it was a big weekend, they'd be in there. Joyce Duran behind the piano. And I remember for that 82 game, and I also remember for the 84 game, we, we started at the sidetrack at about noon on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and uh, you know, we'd have our tables saved and, you know, it was just insane. But what was really cool was two things. Joyce Duran was from Oklahoma 
And, uh, you know, she was, she was the, the, one of the best cheerleaders for Nebraska that we had, but she was from Oklahoma. And the other thing that was really cool is that Oklahoma fans would start showing up in Lincoln on Thursday and enough of them, you know, knew about the sidetrack that a few of them would come in. And, you know, there was just this jovial back and forth. I mean, it was just truly a lot of fun. And, you know, Joyce Duran would get up, get up there and she'd start banging away on the keys and she'd get Boomer Sooner going and end with, you know, fuck you. And instead of <laughs> suck shit, wasn't it? Yeah. Maybe that's what I yelled. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it was, you know, just kind of grinding it. Then they'd break into the Nebraska song. We'd all stand up, whoop and clap. And, and that was Thursday night. You know, and then Friday, you know, it, we were there all flipping day. You know, I mean, it was just that's what we did on that weekend. So um, but yeah, John, you know, the back to the game. Uh, John's told the story many times and it was a, an incredible victory. Um you know, we, we ended up, uh, we were, we were into the game the whole time that this, the crowd was into the game the whole time. And, and you that, know, game, that game didn't start until like five thirty at night or six o'clock. Right? right. And it was one of, it was one of the first games where they had lights at Memorial yeah. stadium. I won't say it was the first one, but it was one of the first ones. Right. Um, but yeah, nobody was that. used to a game starting that late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we were pretty much toast <laughs> by the time the game started. And just kept just kept drinking. Was that was that game the game where one of our friends dressed up with makeup on because he had a girl's ticket? I think you're right. I forgot about that. I yeah. thought you were going to ask if it was that game where one of our friends, I think the same friend, actually convinced the mascot team Herbie Herbie the Husker to be Herbie the Husker. And in the second half, he was Herbie the Husker. But I don't think it was the OU game. I think that was a different game. Didn't he but choke yeah, Mad Mike? We hated Mad Mike. Mad Mike was a screaming mascot. <laughs> but but Husker Bob was fine. I mean, you know, Husker Bob, he was, you know. Right. Yep. Yep. But, oh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. He dressed up like a girl so he could get in on a girl's ticket. Yeah. Back in those days, you easily sold tickets. I do remember that. Uh, you know, every year it's student tickets, you'd buy the student tickets and then you'd sell like one or two of the crappy games to pay for it. But nobody ever sold their Oklahoma game ticket. They all, when we had the good seats, especially for that Oklahoma game, I remember that so many people tried to crowd into our section. We almost got into fights and I think we got rid of a few of them uh, by accidentally uh, dumping alcohol down their backs. Uh, I, I, I think I heard something about that. Um, I do know that that section was incredibly crowded. I do know that, you know, there were about 10 of us and, uh, we were fairly formidable in terms of, you know, maintaining our spot. Damn it. It was a football game. We weren't going to let anybody, you know, take that away from us. And, uh, you know, as, as the game went on and it was, you know, winding down in the fourth quarter, I mean, it was, it was one of those seesaw back and forth games that, you know, as a fan, you're just fatigued at the end of the game, but we went over the rail and um, we got down on the field. Um, And I know that, you know, we, we were actually trying to use our heads because we did not want to put ourselves in a position where we couldn't storm the field. You know, we didn't want to be down there where, 
you know, security, law enforcement, whoever it was, could get rid of us. And so we, we waited until relatively close to the end. You know, right. we all went over the rail. We stayed back. We made sure. And, and again, when I say we were kind of formidable, I almost remember, I don't think we linked arms, but, you know, we were really tight and we just kind of created this barrier. And, you know, we could feel people that were kind of pushing against us. So eventually we kind of edged up, you know, to the sideline. And then, you know, John, you, you remember the details of how that whole thing ended, but um, I just. Well, Scott Strasberger intercepted a pass at the other end of the field. Okay. Uh, That was the end of the game, but it wasn't the end of the game because the gun didn't go off. There were four seconds left. People ran onto the field, had to get off the field. We're still trying to hold people back because we knew the game wasn't over. (laughs) Right. And then uh, when the gun went off, I just remember we were just swept up in the air. It was just like an explosion of people. It was amazing. So when people say I was swept off my feet, that is an actual real thing that happens. Uh, I remember what I did. I went out and I've told this story and you're going to hear it again. Uh, I went out and tried to help tear down the goalpost. And the problem with this is, is you have a mass of humanity underneath a goalpost that's just out of the reach of everyone. So you have like one side of this crowd would leap to try to grab onto the goalpost and they'd fail. So they'd push the side, everybody in that direction. And then the other side would push back. So you had this constant weaving back and forth and, you know, because everybody probably was a little bit more intoxicated than they should have been. Uh, nobody thought let's just hoist some guys up there, but the idea was to get a hold of the goalpost and start putting weight on it on one side and then pull it down so that everybody could grab it. And in the midst of all this, I fell down. And uh, I'll, you know what? I'll tell a little longer version. What I remember is this. I remember black and feet. And at the time I had this, what I thought was this cool straw hat on and it got kicked off of my head. And I remember I reached to grab it to probably pull it, pull it back. And my arm started getting trampled. And this guy starts screaming, getting him off the ground, get him off the ground. Because, you know, I could have probably been killed there. And then the sky parted and this really huge guy reaches down and grabs me by the chest and lifts me to my feet. At which point I say, thank you. You just saved my life. And uh, I ran to the 50-yard line. Yeah. And at the 50-yard line... There was a kid, a college student, sitting on the 50, that big logo. What was it, a big eight logo? I don't think it was the Nebraska logo. It was a big logo. But he was sitting there in his underwear, eating an orange. (laughs) And if you remember, the other thing about that game was it was probably about 20, 24 degrees, I think. Really cold, really cold. It was cold. And uh, that was the previous to that game especially students, whenever Nebraska would score, we would throw oranges onto the field. Yeah. And it wasn't anything nasty. Nobody was trying to hit anybody. Although I do remember a guy that threw an orange at Tom Osborne and uh, the security people tried to, had to keep us from killing him. Uh, But everybody would throw oranges on the field to represent we're going to the orange bowl. That was the big game at the end of the year. And in that game, an official got hit, struck in the back of the head by a frozen orange and was disabled permanently. And that ended, that was the end of anyone ever throwing anything on the field at Nebraska, at least legally, you know, they stopped anything. And they, after that, they started searching people and being a little bit more serious about it. Yeah. I, I remember, you know, vaguely, you know, out on the field, you know, rushing out onto the field. 
Um, of course, you know, we were with other people. And so, you know, to some extent, you were kind of trying to keep track of, of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do remember, you know, uh, slapping the shoulder pads of a, of a few players, you know, good job, good job. And, you know, then in hindsight, I'm sitting here thinking, gee, many Christmas, those guys had to get back to the locker room going through that mass of humanity. Um, it looked like a war zone. Yeah, it, it was and, you know, because people were setting off smoke bombs and there was smoke all over the place. It was. Yeah, it was. It, just, it was amazing. I just I, I, I think my final, you know, I, what I vaguely remember, of, you know, getting out of there. I think we ended up going out the north end for whatever reason. Somehow we got out, you know, the north end and and uh, oh, yeah. And then it was just it was just it was it was just I don't even know how to describe it. It just outside the stadium, the entire area was just like a party. I mean, people yelling, screaming, whooping, dancing, you know, just just it was just insanity. And uh, and then we made it back to our house. Was it the twelve nineteen? Made it to twelve nineteen. Twelve nineteen New Hampshire. We made it back to twelve nineteen New Hampshire yep. to find our large friend from Oklahoma had stolen a. What, what do you, a tire cover off an Oklahoma RV, yeah, I big leather Oklahoma thing. And he was, I think he was passed out with that wrapped up around him like a teddy bear or a blanket or something. And we, yeah. uh, I, I think by that time we had learned that we did not abuse our large fan when he was upset about football and drunk. Exactly. And, and uh, you know, he was a hardcore, hardcore, hardcore Oklahoma fan you know, going to college at the University of Nebraska. And uh, I do, I do recall, I can envision him now laying flat on his back with that, with that uh, wheel cut tire cover thing. And he was smoked. I mean, he was absolutely drop dead drunk. I mean, he was, yeah, he was smoked. I'm sure, I'm sure when the game was over, he found the biggest bottle of hardcore liquor he could find and just started slugging it down. I, I, I can, I can be, I can, I'm willing to bet that's what happened. 1983, we win again in Norman. Uh, See, it, it, those, those were our years, John. And then, you know, I've always said my favorite, my favorite Nebraska player was Turner Gill and, and Turner yeah. Gill, you know, he led that offense uh, with Rogier and Roger Craig and Irving Fryer. Um, you know, what an incredible bunch of, of athletes. And those those were just great games. And it was it was incredible to be on that high because, you know, Nebraska ended up winning three games in a row and they hadn't done that since the late 60s, 70s, you know. So what a time, what a time to be a student on campus in Nebraska. You know, you kind of get a little cocky swagger because we're beating Oklahoma. (laughs) Yeah, it was the game of the year every year. I mean, it was one of the biggest games in the nation. Yeah, yeah. So uh, 1984, they beat us four times in a row and we were very sad. Uh, Part of that was because our large friend got the best of us and let us know every time they did. Well, and I, and then, I remember going back to one of those games after I graduated. It might have been like in 86 because they had, you know, Brian Bosworth, you know, the Boz and that whole era, you know, and that's kind of where Oklahoma turned the corner, you know, turned the corner again and became, you know, one of the, you know, the, the team to beat. And I, I it might have been 19, I don't know, might have been 86 
that I remember I went down there uh, to Lincoln. Uh, I was I was teaching school in Northwest Iowa, and I, I went down to Lincoln to because there was a football game on the day after Thanksgiving, Oklahoma game. Here's this is one of the best stories, and kind of give you an indication. John John knows my parents well, um, but uh, I went down there fully counting on getting one of the two tickets. We, the family has two season tickets. Fully counting on getting one of the tickets to the game on Friday. It was my birthday on Friday. And so I was without question confident that I was going to get one of those tickets for my birthday. And I remember eating Thanksgiving dinner on Thursday. And then we're sitting around, you know, that night watching football of some kind. And um, I kept, you know, waiting for somebody to say, well, Todd, you want to go to the game tomorrow? And nobody did. And then uh, my mom, this is what's so beautiful. My mom says, oh, Todd, we got your birthday card. And so I'm thinking, okay, yeah, ticket. And uh, my mom comes up and hands me the birthday card. And, um, you know, I open the birthday card and I open it up. And there's a check in the card. And my mom had written in the card, I'm going to the game tomorrow. Here's 50 bucks buy your own ticket. <laughs> <laughs> My so, God. So I, yeah, I, really, I went down, I remember going down to the stadium with them and I was able to find a ticket. I, I got a ticket for 50 bucks, 60 bucks, something like that. And it was a crappy, crappy seat. So I wandered the whole game. I walked the whole game and I tried to find an empty seat, you know, to sit in for a little while till somebody came back. That game sucked because that was when Sooner Magic, you know, was at its peak. And I've thought for sure Nebraska was going to win that game. And then Oklahoma came back in the second half. Brian Bosworth had a big game. And, and uh, yeah, that one, that was one I wish hadn't gotten away. What was, what was, uh, okay. That's 1987. Do you remember that game? You, you know, you, not that much. I mean, I know that you mentioned that that one was the one that was considered the second game of the century. Yeah, um, it was, it was, Yeah, but I don't remember much about that game, John. It was down. Well, at- Broderick Thomas kept saying that, you know, he was a talker yeah. and people didn't like him. They they liked Broderick Thomas, and he was really fun to watch, but they didn't like how brash he was, and they were like, he's not, you know, Nebraskans, we just back it up with our play. And he right. talks too much, and he did the whole we have the keys to our house thing, and, uh, you know, then Oklahoma came, and uh, they beat the shit out of us, honestly. They just beat the living shit out of us. They didn't crush us. You know, nowadays you see games where it's like, 56 to three or something like that. And you think, wow, that's an ass kicking, but it was 17 to seven. Uh, They physically just destroyed us. Our offense couldn't do anything Uh, somewhere in here. Okay. Somewhere in here, I made a comment and my wife and I both believe it was at an Oklahoma game where we can't figure out which one it was. I always thought it was 87 because I think we, we were at had at 77 to nothing at the half because Oklahoma had fumbled the ball so much. But our offense still wasn't doing a lot. And I made the comment that we were beating them bad enough that I felt sorry for them or almost felt sorry for them. 
And to this day, she reminds me of this every time we have a lead and it looks like the other team might come back. So one of those things you, you say kind of innocently. And by the way, I have never felt sorry for any freaking team we're ever going to smash into the ground. I don't care if we're ahead by 50, just kill them more. No lead is safe. You know, but 1987, it was really disappointing. People don't mention it as the second game of the century. I think Nebraska and Oklahoma will run in two again. And the reason why we don't mention that in Nebraska is because it was such a such a physical butt kicking. I mean, I don't know. It was uh, that was terrible. Well, then, you know, so, you know, as we still in 1987, we probably John, were you still in school in 1987? Yes, Todd. I crammed my four year art degree into seven years by working my ass off. That's right. Well, what I was trying to say was, you know, I think we still had some of the crew that were in college and yeah, John, you were, but then, uh, and, and, you know, that made it easier for, you know, for me to come back um, for games on the weekends, because, you know, I could hang out with friends and, and go to the games and stuff. But then, you know, eventually we all had to move on and, and start, you know, quote unquote, grow up, time. become grow adults. Up. Yeah. The hell? When, when you think about it from, from 1988 to 1997, Oklahoma only won one game. And, you know, that's, that's not a surprise for a number of reasons. I mean, obviously in the nineties, that was the, the, the strongest era for Nebraska football. Osborne had, you know, the, the team uh, playing at its peak, you know, three national titles in that period of time. It was also – Barry Switzer, uh, Switzer was done in 88. Yeah, yeah Barry Switzer moved on. Um, and so, you know, that was that period of, of Oklahoma football history that a lot of those fans uh, would really like to forget. Um, very similar to, you know, what we're going where through we're at this point in time, where we're at now. Uh, you know, I think how Howard Schellenberger was there, and and uh, John Blake was the head coach there. Um, oh, Who's that goofy, a, wimpy guy? I don't Gary know. Gary something. You know, Gary Gibbs was there. He was uh, he was the head coach there for a while. I think he was a linebacker coach with Switzer. Um, you know, I, I honest to God, when we beat him, like he was. 1995, 37 to nothing. 1996, 73 to 22. 97, 69 to seven. Yeah, I, yeah. I did feel sorry for Oklahoma then. Those, I, those scores, those scores are incredible. But you know, you yeah. also got Nebraska was beating a lot of teams that bad, and yeah. um, you know, during but that, not Oklahoma. I what? mean, my God, you know, they, it was terrible to watch them fall that far. I know we hated them, but. You know, the thing is, is every year it was like, let's get up for the Oklahoma game because it, it 99% of the time it was like the game that decided a huge part of college football. And and then right. to see them fall that far, I mean, maybe they think of the same thing about us now. But, uh, yeah. It's, uh, but, you it know, was, it was also that time that we became the Big 12 and we weren't playing Oklahoma every year. Uh, they moved it off uh, Thanksgiving weekend in, in 1996. Um, and they stopped uh, being our rivals then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then Colorado became our rival. Um, right. But you know, I don't know. It's it was neat to see the teams continue to play, even though they didn't get to play every year. Uh, it still was a big game, uh, you know, and uh, I guess I always look at um, the Nebraska Oklahoma rivalry. Uh, if, if I could pick 
one team for Nebraska to play, it, it would be Oklahoma. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that uh, they're playing them again this year. Um, you know, I, I guess I kind of, I kind of look forward to this game. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it later in the week in the, the five heart podcast. We, we have one more to go through. Talk to me about my that. dog. Be quiet. Uh, the last game that we played against them. That was in 2010. In yeah, it was the, it was the big 10 championship or the big 12 championship game. Right, right, and right. We came out with what a seventeen to point lead, and then all of a sudden we we did nothing, and we lose that game twenty three to twenty because we only scored three points in the second half. No, we scored we scored zero in the second half. We had twenty three points in the first half against them, a huge lead, and then uh, we commit uh, what did we commit four turnovers in that game. I was said uh, you know really that would have been. You know, now we hear, oh, we haven't had a championship in over 20 years. Well, at least it would have been 10 with winning that damn thing. Yeah. I, for some reason, I'm blank on these games that were played in the, you know, 2000 aughts and 2000 teens. Um, so 2000. Because we were both raising kids then. Yeah. 2000. You know what they do to you. That must they have been suck your life. They suck your life away. Well, Bellini <laughs> must have been the coach in 2010. Yeah. So, um, you know, because I'm sure we never would have. <laughs> we certainly didn't um, have any opportunities for big uh, 12 championship games after Bellini. I think in the one thing that I think that, okay, I'm going to say younger people because I did say four older people by older people earlier. The one thing that younger people don't understand about the Nebraska-Oklahoma rivalry is it wasn't just a game. It was Nebraska's morality against Oklahoma's morality. And we had Tom Osborne, who might as well be a saint in the Catholic Church. He was our – He's a Methodist, but that's okay. You know what I mean? He is our (laughs) visual representation of Jesus Christ on earth during those times. He was an upstanding man full of honor playing against Barry Switzer, who had a contract with Satan and cheated all the time. In fact, he had to quit football because he was cheating so much. (laughs) And then you have Barry, what is he, freaking Bosworth. You know, guy that couldn't play in a bowl game because he tested positive for steroids. You know, all of these things, all of these things were because Barry Switzer and the Oklahoma Sooners weren't just good at football, but they were evil. And evil sometimes would triumph. And that's why everybody would feel bad. It wasn't just the football. You go through life with a malaise over your, a cloud over your head thinking, (laughs) how can I live upon this earth when evil has triumphed? Well, John, there, there is a, there's a token of truth to that. You know, I guess it, it was uh, good versus evil. It was also kind of that nose to the grindstone, Midwestern work ethic, you know, can, you know, pound it, pound it, pound it against the swashbuckling, you know, brash uh, outlaw kind of, kind of a program. And, um, you know, it, it was the teams reflected the character and the characteristics of their head coaches. No question about that. Um, you know, my goodness, I, you know, Barry Switzer, 
was was uh, quite the guy. And uh, um, you know, he what what made the rivalry fun was when he would you know show up on the set um, of you know when Bob Devaney was the AD and and he was doing his his weekly television show up in Omaha and Barry Switzer would come onto the set and hand him a hot dog, you know, and and just just stuff like that. And stuff that nobody'd though, ever do now because we'd all consider it horrible behavior. Exactly. Exactly. I think Bob Devaney was probably drinking when he was doing his show. <laughs> no, nobody gave a shit. But you know, everybody gives a shit about every single thing now. You know, even though and 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 you know, John, with your your good versus evil analogy there, the thing that I remember about this though is that both sides valued the rivalry. I mean, you know, I yeah, think yeah. it was a rivalry. I I in my mind, it was a rivalry. It wasn't based on hate. It was based on respect. And even though you had, you know, kind of different characteristics for these teams, um, when, when it was all said and done, you know, you could, you could walk up, you know, to opposing fans and I'm sure the players could walk up to each other, look them square in the eye and say, good game. Um, not like some of the other rivalries that, you know, Nebraska has had since <laughs> Colorado. <laughs> yeah. And, and then we got <laughs> talk ice, but um, you know, it, it, it's good to see it back. I'm glad that it's back. I look forward to the game, you know, this Saturday um, after that one's over, we'll look forward to the one next year, assuming, assuming that uh, Oklahoma has to play us. Uh, and what I mean by that, if they jump to the SEC a year or a couple of years sooner than they're supposed to, will that affect their non-conference schedule? You know, who knows? I think that could be a possibility. But um, I really look forward to these two games. And, and it's it's unfortunate we don't get to play them every year. Um, I'm going to bring up be- one more game and then we're going to be done. But we yeah. have to mention the, 19, the 1959 game. Bill Jennings was a coach. Uh, Bud Wilkinson was the coach of Oklahoma football. Uh, Bud Wilkinson had at one point in his career a 57-game winning streak. But Nebraska beat Oklahoma 25-21 to in 1959, and that ended Oklahoma's 74-game conference unbeaten streak. Wow. And it was the first time that Nebraska had beat Oklahoma since 1942. And the first time – the first time in 13 years that Bud Wilkinson was beat in a conference game. So one of the things about Bud Wilkinson, people don't remember him now uh, in terms of when we talk about the greatest coaches of all line, but Bud Wilkinson actually quit coaching quite early in his, uh, in his life, not in his career. And then he went on to be a television announcer, but that guy was, he probably could have been, you know, We'd be talking about him and Nick Saban on the same sentence, probably if he had kept coaching. I, I, yeah, I think so. I think uh, had he kept coaching, they would have kept winning. And, uh, you know, he would have been the benchmark for great college coaches. Uh, no question in my mind. We probably could do another one of these with great players we remember, but we're coming up on an hour. So I think we should probably say this is good enough for now. I think this is good enough for now. Um, it'll be – It'll be fun um, over the course of the next day. Um, and, you know, it's, it's already starting in the newspapers, you know, trying to bring back some of the nostalgia for this. So really looking forward to the game. 
Same here. <laughs> I'm a big sigh. I hope we play well. Our defense looks like we can do something. We'll see what happens. We'll talk right. about that more later in the five R podcast we do later in the week. For the uh, two old guys, uh, four old people by old people, memories of the Nebraska-Oklahoma games of the past, this is Todd and John signing off. Y'all take care of yourselves. Go Big Red. Go Big Red. <laughs>